This is the sound of worlds beyond number. Morning comes in early summer here in the heart of wizardry in the Kamsarazan Empire, high atop the Irian in the floating court of Malacanth, beside the domain of the Archmage Silence within the Tower of the Glove, so named for its position in shielding, guiding, and softening the hand of the Archmage by the Archmage's own right hand, the newly name-cloaked wizard Sky. Now, Sky's palatial suite and manner and her own wizardly bed, uh, she is not in, for she is indeed asleep in her study uh, of many proud wizards before her engaging in some extemporaneous uh, unconsciousness, shall we say. <laughs> um, we will cut to a bedroom here, however. Uh, there is a guest room some stories below, closer to the ground, although ground is generous here within the Citadel with all of these floating courts. Uh, Ame, can you describe your guest quarters in Suvi's Tower and how they have been appointed after just basically a day of you having moved from the old apartment that did not have a guest quarter into a place where you actually have some privacy to your own? After... Possibly less than 24 hours, it has already become, once again, a sylvan kaleidoscope, just as the cottage was. Where did all these trinkets come from? Who can say? Where were they being stored? God only knows. There's a nest, once again, of pillows and blankets and uh, maybe a couple of mattresses over in the corner. There's uh, little uh, stuffed uh, pillows that are in the shape of different creatures, both fanciful and real. Uh, Hanging from the rafters uh, is a, a variety of seasonal herbs and spices and flowers. Uh, there are, it looks as if somehow, somehow it has, everything has a, a tiny layer, a sheen of uh, sort of comfy dust on it. Not, not misuse, you know, not, not dust from misuse, but somehow it feels lived in already. Um, over in the corner, there's a little wardrobe. Uh, and if you open it up, there are a couple of little uh, 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 dresses, all very similar to one another. Uh, the little red uh, skirt and white uh, robed top uh, that Ame is used to wearing. Uh, there is a a mannequin in the corner, a featureless, uh, just a wooden dummy um, that seems to be used for uh, both crafting and draping of clothing and patterns. Um, there's a couple of marks on where the face and the heart are that lead you to believe that maybe it's been also used for target practice. There's just already, whereas uh, Suvi has an organized accordioning shelves of trinkets. Ames are laid out in uh, sort of piles and aesthetic, uh, you know, little almost shrine-looking 
setups. Uh, they, they seem to have been meticulously placed, and yet it has, again, been less than 24 hours. You see, as you awake, Ame, uh, you know, it was a late night last night, but um, you, I assume, went to bed certainly before Ursulan and Suvi did. Ursulan was out training late into the night. Um, you awaken to discover the fox sort of at the foot of your bed in a little pile of blankets sort of curled up there, looking out through the windowsill at two little birds chirping at each other. See, he's sort of staring out at them. No, you're not real. There's no reason to jump up and try to grab you because you're not real. And yet, and yet, and yet... What? How would they know? Maybe one real bird got in. How would they know? It's true. You never know until you try. Ah! And you see, <laughs> and his, you know, fangs close around a bird that <laughs> that doesn't even seem to really react for a moment to being bitten until it goes to fly away as it is approached. Another failure, but that's just a data point. I am told that is science. <laughs> what? Good job. Good job, Fox. Oh, okay. You did good. And I... I keep, keep, keep at it. Keep at it. <laughs> they flew away. Well, no, not with that ones. The just, just, you know, keep on chasing your heart's desire. You're happy for some reason that I can't. <laughs> well, I'm glad that starving to death is funny to you. Those little weirdos came in and left stuff for you on the desk. I'm going to go find some already made food, which is great. I don't know why I'm so cranky. And he walks out. Oh, um, give him a little pat as he don't walks touch out. Me. Oh, okay, okay, walks okay. Out. Um, you see that there are three little scrolls uh, on the thing. Um, unrolling them, you see that the ink demons who have all been, who are all, you think the ink demons all have like deferred to Sufi as like the mistress of the tower, but you think they have all fallen in love with you. You see that there is a little poem in blue ink that says, where heart meets heart and hand in hand, the home of homes shall ever stand in humble hearths and temples grand. Her heart's desire, our command. There's a scroll in red ink that says butt ass <laughs> uh, with a little heart over it. And you see that uh, underneath that in black ink, it says uh, a key to wizardly notation, grammar and punctuation for our resident witch. Uh, and that will allow you to uh, re-roll one arcana check. It's a one time, one time single use Arcana check re-roll, a very minor little magical item made by Enzo. Shout out to Enzo! The three little ink spirits uh, uh, have left little gifts for you. And I think you hear a door close up on, that's probably like on this level, actually, because the fourth story is where the door to the tower goes. So there's sort of like four levels of dungeon in this tower because there's no ground floor entrance. It's like there's four stories that you can only get by going down as you enter this tower. Um, Ursulan, as you re-enter uh, after a night of sort of 
working and training. Uh, where do you think you actually ended up sleeping this night in Malakanth? In the on the training grounds. Yeah. In the the shallow fake grass. I think for the first time you saw a little illusory rabbit come out from under a hedge, sort of sniff around, and then walk back in, and then. After a time, as you, like, woke up again, just your own senses of the training, sort of the edge of the court, uh, you saw the rabbit come out and trace its exact steps. And there's sort of a moment where the birds are much more complicated, the way the magic has been woven. They actually do kind of act and make choices and fly around in a kind of interesting way. You could, If you grab them, they don't fly away right away all the time, but, you know... Uh, and I think just looking at the rabbit, there's a, there's a little element of like, maybe that's like an older spell. It's just one of those things where the endless, boundless magic of the Citadel, as you spend more time here, you become aware of, in their near infinite power, you become aware of, oh, I guess the wizard that made that, that faunalog, that made that unfamiliar rabbit, maybe wasn't as good as the wizard who made the birds. Mm. <laughs> And just see, you just see, like, in all of your love for the Citadel, you're like, oh, that could have been done a little better. And it's the first <laughs> time, the first time you see anything here that you're like, oh, that rabbit's not as good as the birds. Mm. Interesting. Uh, what do you do as you re-enter the tower, uh, uh, sort of arriving here? Like, basically, other mages came to the training ground. I think you would have seen them too, like. A lot of mages came to the training ground, mm. and you see that there is like trainers waiting for them. It's uh, the energy, and you begin to notice that the energy in the, the city shift goes, yeah. following the attack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Ursuline's going to enter uh, Sky's tower uh, and go to see if Sky uh, to go check on uh, Suvi. Um, you walk up and see Suvi uh, snoozing gently um a deeply ink stained blanket uh over her uh on top of her and papers out in all directions not only the thing that had the battle of starlings ford and badger written on it in her own hand but you also see lots of notes and things pulled from boxes stacked up in little piles that use the names Aman and Chandri. Mm. I know I shouldn't, but can I make a little investigation check? Yeah, give me. I mean, it's already been assembled into the most actionable information by Sufi. So give me investigation with advantage. That's a 19. Uh, uh, <laughs> no! Have you spent enough time with a wizard? You learn a thing <laughs> or two. It's catch there. What kind of information are you looking for is it just total curiosity and openness i think yeah i do think this is maybe the first time ursulon has ursulon spent a lot of time with suvi in this month but i think everything has always been through suvi and so i think this is the first time i have suvi's information but my own intention um so i think i'm gonna look i i guess i'll start with anything that she had uh about the battle at Starling's Forge, but maybe slowly drift over to her parents, seeing as they've been coming up a lot in the conversations her and Ame have been having. You see that in the findings of Soft and Stone, there's no reference to Starling's Forge. Mm. 
that would be quite a potent bit of serendipity if in like before having met there was some connection between your deep and profound experiences in the ancient past and Suvi's parents in the much more recent history of the Citadel. Mm-hmm. But you begin to look at Amon, at Suvi's father. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, uh, I will say this, actually, as you look out at them, uh, you become aware uh, of something that must be true about name cloaks because Amon and Chandri, you can read their full names mm. here. Uh, but even their sort of like shortened names, like without their last names or anything else, you can read those as well and wonder if a wizard's name cloak uh, ends at the ending of their own life. Mm. Um, that there is some ability to suddenly go, oh, have I heard their name before? Or have I seen this thing? That the name cloak sort of protects them during the course of their life and maybe not after. Looking at these names here, you see that Soft was a conjurer. And though he had a lot of use in the maintaining of traveling doors and the creation of permanent gates, uh, was a teleporter of kinds, you see that Soft has a lot of drawings, especially as a young man. And there are a lot of drawings of spirits. Mm. You see that he has drawings of, like, little trickster crow spirits, uh, drawings of what look like some... Uh, there's some in it, like a shaky hand of like a 17 year old soft drawing like river nymphs and like see sort of like distracted <laughs> as he's drawing <laughs> them as a young man. Um, you see that there are travel journals almost of him as an explorer as you realize that his specialty in conjuration initially when he was studying was about traveling to what wizards refer to as the near spirit. Uh, parts of the spirit world that are the closest to uh, the mortal world, uh, the world of Umora. Uh, as I look over the near spirit, I'm, is that somewhere my father ever tread or talked about or made reference to? Uh, no, I, I don't think it is. I think that you look at the near spirit and th- th- concepts of near and far. I think you see this is this is like you're watching. A deep. Uh, you're watching a, f- a a foreign, not only a foreign man, a man of the world of Umora, but someone whose ideology and worldview is deeply of Umora. Describe the places of your birth, mm. and there are elements of familiarity, and then elements where you see that Soft's worldview was so, so. Him saying like the near spirit, and you go like, oh, I think uh, to you the idea of the near spirit would just be like, well, yeah, I suppose any place that you stumble into first upon arriving in the spirit world, you would see as being near to you. But the spirit world moves in its own ways and keeping. And it's you know how definitely possible it would be for a young mortal to stumble into a very dangerous or remote part of the spirit world. Hmm. I think you see the near spirit and see that wizards have cataloged this as being the parts of the spirit world closest to Umora. And I think that you don't disagree with that assessment, right? Wizards are smart. They're probably right about that. But I think that you're also, your intuition as a spirit would be, well, it's the part of the spirit world closest to Umora that it's easy to come back from. Mm. I think you, you see the survivorship bias. You see the part where you're like, well, 
did wizards always come back from every one of these missions? Maybe there's some near spirit that's really fucking nasty that you just didn't get the report back from. So you know what I mean? It's like yeah. this idea of like, okay, like... Near spirit is where we can go and be safe. And be safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the last thing I'll say, because it, it concerns Ursula and, yes. and would be of interest to you. Um, soft was disciplined. There are some disciplinary records here, which seems to be some of the only things that haven't been, like, you like you know, Soft and Stone were double agents for the Citadel, so a lot of their shit's just not requisitionable. So there, a lot of this stuff is about them when they were very young. Like, you, there's almost no recent stuff. Anything from when Suvi was born on is probably not available here. But when they were teenagers and young wizards, and the, like, and like before Soft was the Sage of the Fundament, before or sorry, before Soft was the Provost of the Eighth, before Stone was the Sage of the Fundament, there's a lot more available of them. Um, Soft was disciplined for uh, accidentally releasing a bunch of bound spirits in the Citadel. In the Citadel. Uh, many of them were recaptured. Many of them were not. He ended up being punished for careless carelessness and recklessness. And um, I think you would also recognize, Ursulan, that some of these spirits are unfamiliar to you, which would not be strange. Like, all, every spirit knows that the spirit world is much vaster and wider than the world of Umora. Like, Umora has boundaries. There's a set number of miles in the world of Umora. Uh, the spirit world contains no such uh, 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 finiteness. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that this is your first time this is your first time away from a calm. Mm -hmm. And I think you see that there are some elements of this where you're like, where you look at the near spirit and begin to go like, huh, Maybe certain places within Umora have different stories about the spirit world because of this near spirit, mm. because of this idea that, like, there are some affiliations or resonances between places in Umora or peoples in Umora or stories in Umora and the spirit world that they are near in a magical sense. So you go like, oh, like, there's no reference here to the Great Bear or to Naram or to any of these other spirits. But you're like, maybe he wasn't going on these missions to the spirit world in a comp. Maybe he wasn't speaking that language or telling those stories. And so he's finding these other spirits, some of which you might you might be like, oh, I think I've seen a crow trickster at some point. Mm -hmm. But some of them you're like, no, I don't think I've ever seen a creature like that. Well, I think there's like in – I think Ursulan thinks even to yesterday where I think he sees the ink demons spirits not as – spirits like those don't strike him as honored friends yeah they they strike him as weird like uh, a spirit that only exists in the citadel and is kind of not of his even his understanding of spirits yes absolutely um and i think you see that too looking at this idea of the near spirit and being like your breath is here with you in the world of umora mm -hmm. and these ink demons and other things like that appear to be here rather than there. And I think that there's probably a moment where you have a meditation on what is here and there. How binary does this really get? Uh, it, for In your life, it's been incredibly so because of your 
curse, because of your taboo, because of all of this stuff. It's made incredibly real. But watching the fact that these humans seem to be able to go and come back, I don't know where that leaves Ursulan in this bright morning sunlight. Uh, I think he's going to find a space in uh, Suvi's study and just, I think, continue to go through uh, Soft's notes. And I think kind of start to parse in it for himself. I think because he has approached it as such a binary, this this kind of comfort that even a wizard of the Citadel seems to have with entering and exiting the spirit world. Ame, I think you have awakened at this point as well and can hear the noise of of Ursulon and the rest, you know, upstairs. Uh, uh, do you? Uh, what do you do this morning? So by that time, I hear the um, rustling upstairs. I am already all packed up and uh, ready to go. I am uh, looking in the mirror and uh, fussing with my hair a little bit. Um, and then uh, I leave for the little ink demons. Um, uh, one, one, one scroll... Uh, that has just tied, bound up in it a little eraser, and that's tied with a, a, a little uh, black ribbon, a little uh, a scroll uh, with a red ribbon uh, that just says fart knocker in it <laughs> and has a little heart with an arrow through it. Uh, and then the third one uh, that's tied with the blue ribbon, uh, it reads, uh, Rushing as your stream, its flowing path unceasing indelible heart and it has like a tiny little pouch of sand in it um the kind of sand that one would sprinkle onto ink to help it dry and then i, I head upstairs i love that um She's the best witch ever. <laughs> uh you head upstairs um and see ursulon reading in the corner suvi still asleep at her desk with the blanket on top of her see the fox sort of pads in beside you you see he's just got a uh, a huge length of like sausage links behind him going well this is just in the kitchen <laughs> you know that there's a kitchen in here i can't believe wizards even have it suvi you begin to awaken <laughs> morning sleeping beauty morning suvi a night of study. All of these things come back to you. Your father as a conjurer. Your mother originally studying under the name Chandri Newell to join the College of Divination, being banished, or not banished, but like dismissed from the Citadel. And shortly thereafter, some months after, uh, being readmitted and uh instead focusing to retake her examinations and join the College of Abjuration with a specific study on counterspelling, dispelling magic, but sort of meta-magic, like the magic of magic itself, right? It's like really intense brainy, even for wizards, it's like very brainy focus in and of itself, right? Um, like, if there's all kinds of, like, sciences and arts studied within the Citadel, this is, like, the most advanced kind of mathematics, theoretical stuff like that. Um, she accused one of her teachers of treason, which uh, – and and treason against magic itself, and was basically dismissed from a point of view of – like disres like disrespecting your teachers, where like they were ex they were explained like that's not 
a thing. That's not like you are. I know that you're yelling treason, but you're just a you're just like a 19 year old screaming treason and pointing a finger. And if you don't stop screaming, we're going to dismiss you from the Citadel. And she wouldn't stop and then was dismissed. Is there um, a, a record of the teacher that she accused? Uh, yes, there is. The teacher's name was Sleep or the teacher was called the Wizard Sleep. Uh, so she changed specializations uh, when she came back. Uh, there's there's logs of their different stuff. Obviously, these are from when they were younger, before your mom became the sage of the fundament. Um, you see that there is nothing here. There also is a small list of like artifacts that they were responsible for or created. Uh, your mom's cloak is listed there as something quite powerful. However, you don't see anything about uh, a pendant of any kind. The last thing I will say is you see that there is a um, there is a an open letter that was written to the Ark Magi of the Citadel by her, um, and you see that it is it is kept here. It's like within a small file folder that you have to take an unlight. It's like old. It looks like it was handled many times over the years uh, in relation to her dismissal. And it looks like it was like this was like something that she delivered. You don't know if there's any record of like council getting it, but she certainly wrote it with the intention of it being read aloud to the Ark Magic of the Citadel as a 19 year old. This is truly way out there. It's like I know who I am now, and I feel like everyone should absolutely get off my back because I wasn't as bad as them. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a long letter. And the final sort of stanzas of it basically arrive at this place where um, Stone's words are. Of the three metaphysical axioms put forward to the mages of this citadel, the axiom of interpolation, the axiom of mediation, and the axiom of proliferation – This third axiom does not describe any actual truth of the lingua arcana, nor does it more broadly describe any facet of the greater binding. Rather, this axiom is pure intellectual technology that serves a political purpose within the citadel. Given as magical writ for the expedition of a citadel convenience the ramifications of this being made magical law sully every instance of the lingua arcana that it touches it's danger to the future of wizardry when the convenience of its acceptance has long since passed the ripples of its effect on magic itself will still be felt should the Ark Magi see it in their wisdom to reverse my dismissal, I will be happy to walk them through how I discovered this stain on the face of magic itself. Good day, uh, the wizard Chandri. <laughs> the smoke on this woman is unreal. <laughs> wow. Okay. You would know what these axioms are. Yeah. Uh, the axiom of, of – so the first two – the axiom of interpolation and the axiom of mediation are like simple kind of like laws that are given to young wizards about broad truths of spell casting in general. The type of things that are true across spells even from different schools of magic. The axiom of proliferation is essentially that um, 
the more times a spell is written down, you've learned this as like magical law, the more times a spell is written down, the weaker the spell becomes. Um, you know, that if a spell is like written across multiple spell books or it's written, you know, it's, it's like the more wizards that it's taught to, uh, it's not noticed. The difference between 10 wizards knowing it and 20 wizards knowing it is not noticeable. But in orders of magnitude, if a spell that were written down 10 times were to be written down a hundred times and then to be written down a thousand times, it becomes less powerful. And your mother seems to be saying that that axiom is not a part of the lingua arcana. And it is not a, she calls it a stain on the face of magic itself. Uh, I, I, the, the new bent of my uh, curiosity about their work is now in sort of following or trying to figure out her train of logic on this because yeah when you hit an axiom and you're like a thing i have simply accepted is true uh i did a proof on this poorly several years ago and never really inspected it but is it is there is this verifiably true do is there anything i've read especially in working in and around uh the archmage silence that deals with like axioms and uh, pr- the prolifera- uh, the axiom of proliferation specifically uh the axiom of proliferation it's just one of those things where it's like you learn it you move on it's it's like yeah. one of those things that's so foundational that you're like yeah you got to be careful about where and how you write spells down because over like if if you were to just hand spells out to everybody all the time, they would just the magic would degrade over time as you write it down. It's why knowledge is very special and sacred and have to be protected. Give me an insight check. Eleven. I think you're left confused. You make a connection to the th- you're like, my dad said that the indicative reflexive note was unmagically unnecessary. And my mom wrote this fucking missive to the Arc Magi of the Citadel after letting her like mentor the wizard sleep have it. Yeah. She there was just this teacher she accused of fucking treason. Yeah. Uh treason against magic itself. The term greater binding, you know, is kind of a theoretical term that refers to a theory of magic that magic is the interplay of the spirit and the real or like this of the spirit and the mortal like there's sort of an idea of like oh the, what, what the lingua arcana is describing is relationships between things and their spiritual reflection and so there's a binding of the spirit and the mortal and that's what magic is but it's kind of it's like a theory of magic that there's seven other theories of magic you could name that describe why the lingua arcana works right wizards tend to be a lot more about about praxis and practice and a lot more about like, well, here are the rules that make the lingua arcana work. And if you want to talk to a bunch of, you know, sophist wizards about why it works, you can easily blow eight hours doing that. (laughs) Um, The last thing I'll say, too, is you see that there are a ton of uh, letters, uh, love letters between your mom and dad when they were young. Um, 
they they met like at 18 upon their entry into the thing. So you know that they were already like dating or in love or had this or had some kind of romance. They don't appear to have been wed until later, mm. but they had some kind of romance or friendship. And looking over different love letters, it looks like it may be there were some ripples to it or a story to it over time of times of being stationed far apart and times of coming back together over like five to six years of their young life. Um, and you see that they immediately, uh, uh, there's a lot of love for each other. And just, it's interesting to see, A, when they were younger than you knew them as your parents. But you can see right away your mom has a degree of patient clarity. Like, your dad seems to pop off about smaller things and your mom bigger things. And yet they both both pop off. I love that they're just like, they radicalized each other. <laughs> this is so good. Uh, well, you see that your dad, your dad, there seems to be a relationship over years of letters that you stayed up all night reading that were just like, that were like, your dad was like, your dad was an explorer and a teleporter who went to the spirit world. And your dad, there's this constant train of in the letters, your dad being like, I saw this thing and this could be an explanation for it here. Or maybe it's like this. In any case, as we came back to it and then your mom will wrap in the letter being like, wait, the point you made that second, <laughs> go back to that. Um <laughs> Where your mom seems to, like, rest on a thing and go, don't just throw this out there. Like, this is where you should spend a year of time really studying. And uh, and and also you see that your dad seems to, like, pop off. There's a couple of things where he's like, got in a fight. This relationship was soured. But then we made up later and it was okay. <laughs> and then... And then your mom, your mom, that does not, she has like strong, deep relationships. You're like, your mom is friends with the artificer Galt, who she mentions at a certain point. Um, and things like that, uh, uh, that come back and forth, uh, uh, which is why Ahana is someone you, you knew that yeah. your mom and Galt, like, but when your mom sours on a relationship, it doesn't come back. There is something where she's like, I have ruled that this person is not a good person. Mm. Your dad points out in some of these letters certain things where he's like, he's like, you know, you see like an early thing of him being like, yeah, well, you know, he's like, he's like, there's some, there's some frills on the edges of the lingua arcana. And then your mom's like, you know, like, well, what do you mean by that? And then, (laughs) and, 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 and then you see like, so they must have been together or at least quite close when your mom was dismissed from the academy. And you see that there are no letters during that time period between them. Um, and then she comes back as an abjurer, and uh, all of this is to say the indicative reflexive, these various axioms, the axioms of proliferation, you see references in some of their love letters to a trip they took to the city of Cairo. And they start making references obliquely these are not you know they're not doing their business in these at this point they're kind of like living together it seems so like the letters begin to die off as they get closer to moving in together and being and like being wed but the last thing you see is there's a reference to something about you know like like a joke your mom makes to your dad where she's like you know like well finding that would be easier than finding the antivoli and Antivoli, yeah, I know these episodes in the Citadel, it was more made up words than... I love it! Um, 
you know the Antivoli. They're an incredibly important part of history. Um, Everyone knows the Antivoli. 1423, the term lingua arcana is coined. 1440, the first college of summoners. The earliest moment where there are enough wizards to get together and say, hey, in these other places, we've sort of discovered this language of magic, right? 1456 is the third College of Summoners, the founding of the Conclave of Magi. The, the term wizard is is largely accepted there to describe people that can use uh, that can use a language that they believe is the language the universe uses to understand itself. And uh, in 1464, after about eight years of existence uh, of this conclave that is uh, started in the city of Cairo, um, the Siraz Imperium uh, approaches the conclave in an offer of support, saying this is a great work that is that we would love to support to be the patrons of this effort. And you have always known that... um, there were two big factions at the time within the Conclave of Magi called the Accordati and the Antivoli uh, that basically were, were uh, the Accordati were people that were like the, you know, their stated philosophy was the lingua arcana should belong to all peoples. It should be a part, like if, if the, if the Siraz Imperium uh, wishes, and by the way, Siraz Imperium at this time existed pretty much just in its homeland. It had not spread that far out. So basically, like, some royalty came and said, we are going to give you money to make this effort possible. And the Akrodati were like, you know, this is an incredible boon that will expedite our important work and does not our important work, like, benefit all people. And the Antivoli were basically, uh, basically said, like, we should refuse this offer. We should not accept the support of the Siraz Imperium. It was this really heated debate. And three years later, in the Cataclysm of Cairo, violence broke out between the Accordati and the Antivoli. Uh, the Antivoli faction was uh, defeated. And three years later was the creation of the Irian and the White Desert. Um, but you saw this trip to Cairo that they took. There's a reference to a trip to Cairo they took. And just thinking about the Antivoli and the fact that all of that happened in Cairo. Tons of stuff. Suvi, yeah. that's that's a lot of research. You got to <laughs> reward the research, folks. Uh, you awaken. Where are you going? Hi. Hello? Hi. Hello? Oh, good, mo- uh, good morning. I'm going to put the notes down like I wasn't reading them. <laughs> that's okay. You, you can, whatever you want. Oh, yes. So, uh, why are we in, in here? Well, I'm headed over to Pomeroy first. Uh, to I'm gonna today's <sighs> my day where I gotta meet all of Grandmother Wren's allies. Would you like some accompaniment? Um, yeah, I I, I definitely wouldn't mind that. Ursulan, are you? Do you think that you would be okay going? Because I, I, I don't know what we're going to find there. Oh, I would very much like to go. I've been uh, reading Soft's notes. Um, oh. It's oh. actually, I think, I think I, 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 I don't know a lot. And perhaps uh, they could share some. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's not 
weird for me. I will. I would love to come too. Is that a? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Uh, God. Long night. They were brilliant. Hmm. My parents. <laughs> of course they were. No, no, not like that. They had causes and things that they were willing to put their career and their lives and their reputations on the line for. They knew so much. Of course they were. Of course they did. And Grandmother Wren always talked about them so glowingly. She said your parents were some of the best wizards and the best people that she knew. I'm glad you got to find out for yourself and kind of meet them in that way. Yeah, been putting this off for a very long time. I'm glad you're here, both of you. Thank you. Well, shall we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What the, where the fuck did you get sausages from? Hmm? You heard me. Your ears are too big and they're uh, sort of pricked in my direction. You, You have a kitchen. I don't know why buildings here have a kitchen. I've never seen a wizard cook. I knew I had a kitchen. Where do you <laughs> think the kitchen is? Where do I think it is? Mm-hmm. I think it's where I found it. Down on the first floor. Yeah. It definitely is. See if he's going to turn <laughs> and run down the stairs. Oh my god, I skipped a floor. You go down. Uh, you see your page, Yulia, comes in. Uh, and says, uh, Wizard Sky, hello. Um, is there anything you need me? You're in the kitchen. So if you need me to cook anything Hi. or. Oh, thank you. Good morning. I'm. We all know about the kitchen. I'm so good. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, I have to give you t- tasks. No. Can you go have a day off, please? Uh, okay. Is that bad? Well, I can if you'd like, but also if there's anything you need help with, I'm here at your disposal. If you're going to be studying here today, I can bring you anything you need from other courts, if there's food or resources or supplies or anything like that. Uh, what do we have? I want histories of uh, the cataclysm uh, in Cairo. Anything you've got about how everything went down with the Accordati and uh, Antivoli. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'll go get that right away. Thank you, Wizard Sky. Oh, and uh, if it's not too much trouble, could I get some book, please, on um anything you might know about uh, a, a spirit, a great spirit known as uh, perhaps the Man in Black or the Stranger or the, uh, he has a, he has a number of titles. Uh, yes, absolutely. I can go pull up so any any relevant. Um, all, all titles uh, would be would be helpful in terms of getting the most information possible. Okay. Um, I actually have this written down, and then hand her a scrap of paper that has all the appellations that I know about. Gotcha. Oh, and can you look uh, to see if there's any been any arrivals by uh, anyone known as Ghost and a construct that goes by Flicker? Ghost and a construct that goes by flicker. Yeah, I'll look at that. I'll look into that right away. Thank you. And one more thing. <laughs> I still really love that shirt. If there's any chance, <laughs> you might be able to do something similar. Uh, I can leave it here. I'm just going to start undoing my shirt. Oh, you want me to enchant oh. your shirt? Well, to have the same illusory effect. 
Uh, so if to have a shirt that can bind to and accept a permanent illusion, I would mm-hmm. need to uh, work with an artificer to make it from scratch and then layer the enchantments on top of it. <gasps> Wait, is that what artificers do? Oh, yeah. It's like, is there going to go first? No, 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 no. We're going to go to Pomeroy first. Oh. Right. Larger task for another time. Yeah. Thank you, Yulia. Uh, and don't go in my study. <laughs> um, she says, uh, uh, understood, Wizard Sky. Uh, I'll get those books and all those uh, uh, necessary things. And she rushes on up to go collect books for her uh, wizardly mentor. Um, I love having a page. <laughs> I love it so much that it makes me feel worried about how much I like it. Well, it's, I mean, it's nice to be cared for. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That was pretty concise. Damn, okay. (laughs) It's not much more than that. (laughs) (laughs) You take off. And so the first place that you head to is uh, Zhao Court, correct? Yeah, is that what we want to... Is that with an X or a C? Uh, That is with an X. That is X-I-A-O. You guys uh, wait until such time as it's easy to get there by Galathopter, head out to the pier, take off from Malakant, uh, and arrive at Zhao Court. Um, Zhao Court is the College of Conjuration. So this place is filled with uh, permanent gates, different sort of teleportation things. You see that there are several sort of like platforms scattered around that have traveling doors. Uh, this is actually the court that you come to when you take the traveling door to Silbury that is here on Zhao Court. Moving through uh, white sort of plaster walls, red roofs everywhere, lots of white and red imagery all over the court. You see that there are numerous streets converging on Gossamer Plaza. Uh, an enormous fountain in the center, this enormous circular fountain uh, that has a number of beasts roiling together, sort of long dragons. There are uh, different sort of like spirits, all of them with big roaring mouths. You see that there are like flowers and coins and swords flowing out of open sacks like cornucopias intermingled with the roiling beasts all made out of heavily oxidized copper so the copper has become like green and it's like mottled green all throughout uh the water spills out and around see that there are lily pads everywhere throughout as you look down into the lily pads you can see reflections rippling that as you look in sort of the as the water moves, it reflects banks and figures not present here in the court, as though the water carries the light of some other place far away. Uh, Gossamer Court, uh, Gossamer Plaza, so named uh, for the absolute swarm of illuminated butterflies flying everywhere around here. One of the many species that is not an unfamiliar. These butterflies are simply here in this place and as they are illuminated, you see that they fly all over this plaza, landing on you. Ursulon, as you approach, you are covered by butterflies (laughs) that all come to land on you. And as they do, uh, all of you see that they change to illuminated green and suddenly glowing brown and appear to uh, be... You see that they gather in a little clump 
where Ursuline's natural horns of his plumage are. Uh, as they, you can see that they are almost oh. beginning to like recreate what Ursuline really looks like. Um, Suvi, oh, yeah, yeah, is yeah. It, uh, is it you? Neither one of you has as many butterflies as it feels like are on me. How come they like you best? Oh. Why are they making you look like you? I'm sorry. What are they doing? Hey, are we seeing that? There's like a pattern happening. What's happening? And I'm just waiting. <laughs> yeah, I just start, so start to sort of shoot them. You shoot them away. Um, uh, conjuration is the school of magic most concerned with spirits. And tr- tr- it's it's concerned with being able to travel to other realms. But it's also the school of magic concerned with summoning, binding spirits. Ooh. And as you look at these butterflies, a lot of the species that are native to the citadel that exist only in these places have to do with the magical residue of that place. The butterflies of Gossamer Plaza, as you look around, seeing strings of small flags, uh, multicolored rainbow flags with tons of arcane runes on them, some writ large but surrounded by margins and borders of very small notes. These butterflies that are kept at this court appear almost to, as they touch the water, reflect, like the water does, various other realms of existence. And you think, Ursuline, of the near spirit. You wonder if these butterflies are attuned to places outside of the Irian. And you can even see, as you are like looking out at other streets there are small glass jars and jugs that have some of the butterflies floating around within them that you see are being given or even in some cases sold uh, to some wizards that are coming by that hold on to them uh, as almost like a little early warning system that the butterflies seem to be able to react to beings of the spirit before they are so you see as they go to Ursuline this is a good thing for a conjurer to have is butterflies that are highly sensitive to movements of the spirit. Okay. Uh, I uh, I tap Ursuline on the shoulder and, oh. and cast a sanctuary uh, just so that <laughs> the butterflies like have to kind of go somewhere else. As you cast sanctuary, what is it you're saying to the butterflies in this court? Find another target. And then I put, and then I put, take a little, a little vial of uh, sugar water out of my pouch, and I put it on me, start uh, sprinkling myself. <laughs> um, you see that as they, as you cast sanctuary and say get another target, the butterflies leave Ursuline and all cover Ame. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I put my put my arms out. <laughs> I am the Lord of Butterflies. Okay, okay, okay. well, okay. they have accepted me. <laughs> um, you see, as they do, they all of them, uh, the butterflies get this intense white illumination, and then they uh, get a sort of orangey red around them. Your hands, they go to a scintillating black until you realize that you are looking at kind of in shifting butterfly wings a fox-like <gasps> human. Ooh. Oh my god, I wish you could see your... Hold on. What? Uh, what? And I'm going to use prestidigitation to make a mirror so you can see what you look like right now, but it's not reflective. I'm just making the image that I see. Like, this is what you look like right now. It's like a butterflux. What beautiful! Oh my gosh! They show your true form! You see, the the fox looks up and goes, never look better, boss. 
Are these, you see the fox looks over and says, these are like more flashy than the other illusory animals. These aren't illusions. These are, please don't. <laughs> oh, 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 it tickles your tummy. Oh, oh. Are they still alive inside you? No, I don't. You see the fox slowly ah. leaves the ground. Ah, ah, I'm just going to ah. grab him and kind of tuck him under my arm. <laughs> floaty, floaty feeling. Do you want to keep floating? Or I need good? to. The fox lets out a little toot and becomes heavy. <laughs> okay, we're not going to eat those anymore. <laughs> okay, I'm going to put you down, bud. There you go. Uh, ahead of you, you see that there is an enormous building that is uh, almost like adobe. It looks like sort of a like adobe place with like a flat roof. It's white stucco kind of, uh, it's like white adobe, creamy white adobe walls, but with enormous red murals of paint in like these very splashy uh, arcane glyphs and runes that are circular but made of lines of curving text on a very square building. So the murals almost don't seem to fit to the specifications of the building, almost like they continue off the building into space unseen. Mm. And the massive golden double doors have curling long dragon at their, like, handles and uh, can be, like, pulled open at either side. You see that there are huge golden hinges on these deep, rich, like, uh, warm brown wooden doors. Shall we? Mm-hmm. Yes. I reluctantly give me a look, give a little shimmy, <laughs> get the butterflies off of me. Uh, the butterflies take off. You open the doors. As you walk in, you see a couple of the butterflies kind of ping bang off of the threshold of the door where they cannot like enter. Um, and- Just a breeze aims downward. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, one of those, one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you walk in and immediately the quality of light changes from the kind of bright red and white clay and multicolored, like, uh, multicolored strings of flags hanging in the breeze and all the butterflies in the fountain. And you walk into a very cool, deep blue place. It almost has the feeling of walking into an aquarium. It has like a, there are kind of ripples of underwater light as you walk in, uh, with columns of more neutral, still very soft white light on single panes of walls. This space is actually quite open. There are not rooms in here, but there are these sections of wall that are only about eight to nine feet wide and that are freestanding. So you almost can think of it like an art gallery where instead of long sections of wall that would create rooms, the entire floor of this massive building just has little panels of wall that come down just holding single portraits. So you could kind of get lost in here. It's almost like... um, you know Plinko of like if you were to like if this place were to be on its side and you were to drop a coin, <laughs> yeah. it would like bounce yeah. off all these little <laughs> yeah. panels of wall <laughs> That's great. in this vat. But it means that as you walk into it, you almost immediately become like lost. It's like a it's a warren of these different sections of wall that if you go deeper into it, you can just see other like 
eventually a, a it's like standing in a crowd, but the crowd is little panels of wall obscuring further panels of wall behind them with these lights pointed on them. And you see paintings, many different styles. Some are hung by pieces of string as they are painted on ancient parchment scrolls. Others have beautiful wrought gilded wooden frames and have images of like a beautiful woodland. Um, as you begin to look through, you know a little bit about formal painting, Suvi. I dabble in oils. <laughs> um, as you move through them, give me investigation. Ten. Ten. What's your past investigation? Twenty-one. <laughs> Suvi, you become aware that, you know, one of these paintings is of a very ancient, almost like medieval style. And you see that there is a roiling eight-legged uh, horse with a sort of set of wings from its back and with two heads, each of which is breathing fire. Uh you see that this thing is like in a meadow. The medieval style means that perspective is not really good in it. It's sort of like the field is flat, but the horse is rearing up on it, almost like heraldry. You look at another one, you see that there is a lion sort of lying on its side and that it has a long uh, pointed tail, almost like a devil's tail. Uh, and a third eye closed in its forehead. And as you begin to move around in this space, about half the portraits, you see there's a portrait of a meadow. And this one is a little bit more almost like in what we would call like a Renaissance style. It's a little bit more beautiful. There's lighting, there's shadow. It's a little forest glade through some thin trees. You see a seaside castle way in the distance, in the perspective of it. There are four hounds that are leaping up and baying at something that is not there. The composition of the painting is ready for there to be something that the hounds are pursuing, but there is nothing in the painting. And I think on that high passive investigation, you become aware that a number of the paintings, while still beautiful in whatever style they are from, and the age of these various paintings is very different, have focuses of the painting, like the one with the lion or the one with the two-headed winged horse, have focuses that are not present in the paintings. Oh. Are you okay? Bless you? No. Uh-uh. What's wrong? I just don't... Mm. I don't like... Is the collection the, the 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 paintings? Um, no. This is just an art gallery. Okay. What? What's wrong? I don't know. It just doesn't. I don't like it. Okay. Um, that might just be because I don't traditionally care for art galleries. Uh, that's fair. Uh, yeah. I mean, this one's kind of weird with the dogs. Sort of baying at nothing. Many of the pieces require a certain degree of explanation. <laughs> you see, <Fucking> a, wizards. <laughs> uh, you turn around and see, dressed in a beautiful vest of these sort of like silvery 
enormous fish, almost like koi, that are moving on a black silk vest, silvery, and then like little bits of teal vine and lily pad obscuring them in this repeating pattern. Uh, a cream white shirt with these elaborate, beautiful arcane cufflinks that have runes of binding on them. Uh, sleek black pants. Uh, a single monocle sort of a wizened face and this very silky drooping kind of white mustache. It's a very old man, paper white skin. He looks like he has some form of albinism. Mm -hmm. Um, Sort of a little bit bloodshot, but otherwise bright green eyes. Uh, It looks, you know, very officious and sort of academic approaches and says, "Uh, for reasons of safety the definitions descriptions accreditations of the various pieces are kept aside from the portraits themselves however i would be happy to serve as your guide i like that very much uh, what might we call you sir i am pomeroy i am the docent of the castle collection i just uh i think i just nudge ame a little too hard <clears throat> um hello I'm Ame, uh, the Witch of the World's Heart. Ah, congratulations. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you, Ame. If you have any questions about any of the pieces, I would be more than happy to assist you. Isn't this a guy? Oh, I, um, I I believe maybe you or or uh, somebody that you know knew my, my, my mentor. Uh, Give me an insight check. That's a 19. Let's go. Um, on a 19 insight check, you don't get any warmth from Pomeroy. Mm. Remembering back, Grandmother Wren told you that there was a spirit called Pomeroy in one of the libraries of the Citadel. And you don't remember Grandmother Wren describing necessarily the relationship she had to Pomeroy. She described Sly and Galt as, like, true friends. Oh. But you don't remember exactly what her relationship to Pomeroy was. Damn. Uh, (laughs) What you do remember is she gave you Pomeroy's true name, which was Quinfalmrathrahir. So this is, like, one of many... This is like Grandmother Wren's connections to the Citadel were limited to like her closest allies were soft and stone and steel. And then after that, there was other people she knew at the Citadel. Pomeroy was one, but it was not someone that was like in her closest, tightest circle. So she just gave you basically Grandmother Wren. You're now realizing standing here. It means something that she gave you the name of a spirit and then also gave it its true name. Uh Oh, I see. Uh, I was given to understand that you knew my mentor, and I just wondered if you had any remembrances of her as as she has recently passed on. Uh, Yes. Wren of Toma. Deepest and dearest condolences. Her passing is a great loss for the world, and I hope that in time... Her memory shall be a light for all those who do as much in the service of the world of Umora as she did. Please let me inside check that. Uh, give me inside yep, check. Yep. Oh, also. Yeah. 22. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a 24. Seven. Uh, Ursulon, I don't think you've clo- like you're you're looking at this guy. This guy's glamour is really good. He looks like a weird guy, <laughs> but he looks like a guy, you yeah. know. Like, and he's standing. I think I've been waiting for him to do a spirit thing at all, uh, and he's just in a cream shirt hanging out. Yeah, just in a cream shirt hanging out. Uh, you see, he uh, he looks over to uh, to to both on on a was it twenty two and twenty six. This guy hates you. He fucking hates you. This polite answer, this guy is scared and freaked out and angry and hateful. Wild. It is my sincere hope that you carry her torch, brightly burning as it was, forward with you. If you have any questions about any of the pieces, you need but ask for Pomeroy, and I shall appear. Thank you very much. And you see... Oh, no, I have some questions. Oh! Wait, uh, the subject of this painting, the dogs, what are the dogs supposed to be uh, barking at? Ah, so I see that you are unfamiliar with the Kasov collection uh, m- uh, more more intimately. Uh, the subjects of all of the paintings uh, appear and vanish from time to time. Uh, the normal subject of this painting uh, is itself a questing beast. Oh. Does that peak? Uh, what I've heard? Have we? Have I ever heard the word questing beast? I don't think you have. All right, I'm going to look over at Sufi. Um, what is that? Uh, give me, uh, give me an Arcana check. Uh, fourteen. Um, you see, he looks at it and says, <clears throat> and you see, he creates an illusion in his hand of this weird, tall, lanky, draconic prey animal. It is, uh, it has a long and snake-like head that ends in a kind of six-eyed, like three eyes along its head, weird antlers, long and furry ears. Uh, you see, however, it has like leopard spots and digitigrade long feet, like some tall, lanky kind of leopard or jungle cat. Um, and its back two legs with that shaping end in hooves. So clawed on the front and then hooves on the back and a long tufted tail like a lion. You see that uh, as he creates the illusion of it. You see, he those were real. Well, of course, they are not, but real in this not meaning non-existent, but simply of and pertaining to the real being that world of Umora. The Glatisant, or questing beast, may be observed here in this portrait when it is here. Uh, but uh, it is called the questing beast because knights of old would seek it out and in its capture prove some source of honor and receive a boon. Mm. Very intriguing. Was the questing based, uh, wherever it is currently, obtained in Umora or elsewhere? I beg your pardon? Can you repeat the question? How was the questing beast acquired? In tales of old, do you mean? No. This one. Hmm. You observe a painting. 
the portrait behind you, the beast is not featured, but the Kassov collection holds many paintings of many such creatures. Where do their subjects go when they're not featured in the painting? I believe you may wish to speak to some of the conjurers of the Kassov collection themselves. I believe we've departed from my areas of expertise. So you're saying you don't know? I am saying I am not inclined to share. Good day. Uh, and you see he looks around and uh, uh, sort of heads off in another direction. Uh, everyone here give me a perception check. I got a natural 20 on <gasps> my perception. Let's hmm. go! I got a 6. How'd you do? I got an 18. Ooh. We're on our way up. Ursulon, on an 18, you see Pomeroy walk quickly away and for a moment see some shadows on the wall. Little bit of a slip of his glamour. Mm-hmm. You think he's enormous. Ame, on a nat 20, the picture of the lion who is sort of lounging in ruins. On a nat 20, that third eye opens. And you see the lion in the painting turns its head to regard you. Goes, This is not a kind place. And you hear it in its head. The lion vanishes. What's that? I, I point to the to the painting, um, behind. Huh. Um, I touch I touch the painting where the lion was. The, and you all of you now see the lion is gone. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's new. Are you? I examine it. The, the colors, the texture, the smell, the lines. What, what is this? Well, on a nap 20, you can smell magic. These paintings, some of the brush strokes are layered. But you think there's brush strokes underneath them based on slight changes in the height. And you begin to see that what went on these canvases before the paintings were exact and very powerful runes and glyphs of binding and of capture. The collection does not refer to the paintings, but what the paintings hold. It's, it's them. The pa- Yeah. Makes sense. So this... They are within. Mm-hmm. They're held here. Uh, can I use my divine sense uh, to open myself up to the presence of spirits in this space? You take a step with your breath into what you now know was called by Suvi's father the near spirit. You are surrounded by your kin. 
far-flung are some and nearer are others. There are some wild ones here, truly. Some other honored friends and spirits stranger still. Some smells and feelings completely unfamiliar to you from places of the realms beyond farther than your father's footsteps ever tread. You are surrounded, overwhelmed by the feeling of the spirits nearby. And as you open yourself up to this sense, I'm going to ask for a stealth check. Ten. Moving through this place, you begin to hear them. Help, help, help me. Someone's out there. Something rattling. You reach out. You can't breathe as deeply as you could a second ago. Something shortens your breath. Feels like something sticky, and then there's some tensile something. Almost like some part deep inside of you has just touched a strand of a spider's web. You hear a voice. Oh. Deep within, two floors below. I can tell you of your father, little cub. Tell you of your sister. Tell you of your mother. Whatever you wish, these secrets I am happy to share. What is your name? Long years in the world of mortals. My name you cannot have, little one. But you may call me Oberfind. I'm waiting for you downstairs. You'd better hurry, or Pomeroy's gonna roll you up you on the wall. Ursulon, you have just heard that voice. You know that this place is filled with spirits. You also, on that divine sense, look at the empty paintings. Um, give me perception or insight with advantage here. Only a nine okay. on insight. On insight, uh, you look at the absence of that questing beast you see a little symbol in red and white that you can't understand. But it gives you a feeling like you're standing at the edge of a cliff and that with one little step you could fall forever. I'm going to close myself off to the divine sense. <sighs> you're standing in a cool art gallery. Follow me. Uh, and I'm gonna take off to head two floors down. What? No, 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 Hi, no. What? What's wrong? I'm. Uh, I won't stop. Uh, What's I, happening? Ursulon takes off. Uh, I, I sprint after him. I'm going to interpose myself. Like, hey. I'm gonna push you. Okay. Okay. Uh, physical. Uh, physical. Physical pushing. Okay. If you don't. If you want. Uh, uh, yeah. Opposed athletics checks. Here we go. <laughs> Four. Oh, thank God, seven. <laughs> um, so it's not a huge titanic clashing of blows. No. You go to interpose yourself relying on the status of that action to do the heavy lifting and find yourself getting in front of a big person walking fast and just get 
body checked off to one side. The the social reality of interposing does not happen here. Uh, as Ursulan keeps walking, goes to a back staircase. Um, with the weird no- noise of you going this, you guys hear footsteps of an approach as like Pomeroy is walking up. I'm going to ask us to roll initiative. Natural one. Five. Eleven. Ame, you hear the approach of footsteps that you know to be on your passive perception, know to be Pomeroy's footsteps. Ursula's taking off. Suvi just hit the ground. The fox looks confused and is looking to you for what to do next. You are first to act in this tense moment. Uh, I grab Suvi's arm and start to pull her up uh, and try to tear off after Ursulan. Okay, you grab her, tear off after Ursulan. Um, the fox looks at you and in your mind says, boss, footsteps coming. What do you want me to do? Stall him. Uh, the fox springs off of your shoulder to stand on a portrait and just starts pissing. Um, uh, you immediately after that, Pomeroy comes in and goes, what? Uh, you little Creighton. And you see the fox goes, Creighton, I don't have a fucking monocle. And then runs off. Uh, you see, uh, and runs away and he says, totally aesthetic! Uh, and runs off into the thing as Pomeroy begins to chase us and says, ma'am, please control your wild animal! Um, and uh, Pomeroy's going to chase the fox into the gallery. He does what he wants! Uh, <laughs> Ursuline, you are next to go. Uh, so you just head off. Just, I'm going down what I think, what the nearest staircase. air is so cold but still down here. You feel almost like an icebreaker ship moving through like icy oceans just to walk through the space here. It is much darker down at this floor and you see that many of the wall segments are empty down here. Like they have space for more paintings than they've made. Mm-hmm. I Now that I'm here, I, I will open myself back up. Your little foxy friend. Quite a help. Keep Pomeroy at bay for now. I'm at the very back. Follow the sound of my voice. And as you move, you arrive at a painting. Seated on the painting is a crouched gargoyle-esque figure. There is a throne of white marble covered in golden drapes. A small table has been knocked to the side. There is a goblet with spilled wine, red as blood, running down the steps. And in the back of the painting, you see that there is the image of city in silhouette framed beyond it by fire covering a countryside. Seated in the chair, perched like a gargoyle, but still somehow in repose. So with the clawed feet on the seat itself, but still lounging back, a spined long torso curled in relaxation and pleasure. Long black wings coming to either side and face covered by a jester's mask held on a wand. 
like you would see at a masquerade. You find this painting. Way shadowed for a long time, it says in your mind. Badger. Funny word to find in a journal. Did she speak to you? She spoke to everybody, crying out day and night what they did to her in this place. Here, at the Citadel. Oh, well, you know it. Does she remain here? Hard to say. She's no longer in the collection. I know that much at least. But she was at one point. Oh, yes. Yes. She came here looking for someone. She had no business being in this world. But she believed that there was some purpose to being here. What do you call that? A dangerous purpose that leads you far from home? A quest. Oh, I suppose you do call it that. I'd be more than happy to tell you when she was here. To tell you how long ago she left and where she went. I can't tell you if she's still alive, but that's a dangerous world for you. How badly do you want to know? Uh, you hear footsteps approaching of Suvi and Ame. Badly. What would you take? Take my painting off the wall. <laughs> Fine. Suvi. Ame picking you up off the ground. What do you do? Uh, sprinting down the hall, uh, Suvi is immediately back in Port Talon. He storms off and does something, and the lack of control. I remember everything that Steele has said and the way she speaks about spirits, that they are not always to be negotiated with and simply managed and I don't want to believe that about my brother and yet in this place I don't know if I can trust him so I will begin to cast Witchbolt okay. with him as the target but I want to hold back and use for the first time my secret of contingency okay the secret of contingency, one of the powers afforded to you by your research as a wizard of the Citadel. Describe to me what this secret allows you to do with your arcane magic. Reaching back and looking over my father's research, the understanding of a null clef, things that are unnecessary, uh, the indicative reflexive, the way that you can bend the UX of the lingua arcana to play with the adjudication of a spell. Suvi holds on to some piece of that witch bolt so that when the condition is met and in her panic 
and fear that what happened in Port Talon will happen again if I see him move to interact with any of these in a way that looks like it will disrupt the peace of this, the spell will go off. You feel it almost like a, a ticking of a metronome that cannot finish its movement because it taps against something not yet present. A clever, creative piece of spellcraft where the spell is made whole, and yet part of what makes it whole has not yet occurred. Waiting in a state of suspension between the universe where its conditions are met and the universe where its conditions are not. Coming from prone, you've used, it takes half your movement to get up, so you're slightly behind Ursulon. but there was a there was a conversation at the base that would have given you some time to arrive here. We are going to roll initiative one last time down here at the lower level. Uh, uh, this will be Ame, Suvi, and Ursuline. Seven, six, seven as well. You have the same initiative. Who has the higher dexterity? I have a seventeen. I have a sixteen. One point of dexterity will allow Suvi to shout before the spell goes off. Ursulon grabs uh, the painting on the lower kind of uh, the lower corner and the upper corner, ready to pull it. Just wait. The wording of your contingency is very important here. Mm-hmm. What was the wording of your contingency? Any move. To disrupt. Any move to disrupt. Whether this movement constitutes a movement to disrupt, for there is no purpose in grabbing this painting outside of disrupting it. But it is also not a movement that commits one to disrupting it. So we're going to roll a pure luck check if the wording of your magic was careful enough for this spell not to go off. Shaking. And, Bria, you're going to have to roll it. Oh, no! And uh, I'm going to ask Lou to call odds or evens. Fuck you, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You're naming the roll that saves you. You're naming the roll where the spell doesn't go off. So what I pick, if it's that, it does not go off. Correct. Or we role-play trauma. Uh, <laughs> evens. Eight. Magic stays at your command. Your control over the secret of contingency means that your magic, like you, is clever enough to know that there was a moment before it had to act. Ursulon has stopped. Your spell's contingency is still there. You've actually cast Witch Bolt already. It's just that it's holding on a contingency. Ursulon, you have stopped. There is a moment. Ame, you are next to act. I extend my hand to the painting, and I shout, Truth! As a command spell goes off. 
uh, on a very low roll, you feel that the spirit within the painting is compelled to speak truthfully. <gasps> Who are you? I am called Opalfind, creature of shadow, a demon. Why were you bound here? I was bound here because I suppose my aims and the aims of the wizards were not the same. When you spoke of my sister, is it true? Please take your hand off the frame. Shut up, Suvi! This sister of yours was here. But I have hinted at knowing more than I do. And you see that the demon uh, sneers in Ame's direction, compelled by the witch of the world's heart to speak the truth. Take my hands off the frame. Are we not kin, spirit? Will you leave me here on the wall to fester? The wizards who trapped me here were cruel. They have bent our world to their aims. Your sister was here. I could smell it on you as soon as you walked through the front doors. Spirits whose woods touched the same little island out in the sea. A queen in green and a prince in blue and a lumbering bear. Could smell the bear on the badger. I could smell it on you. So, took a little creative liberty. And I know enough about the bear to know that you probably don't know who your mother is. Not all kin are kith. What would you know? Do I deserve to be here? And where would you go should he free you? My freedom is contingent on me playing nice. Witch of the world's heart. How different from the wizard are you? Come on, spirit. Take me off the wall. You know what that wizard was ready to do to you, don't you? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, looks like the party's over. Everyone, exit. This is an off-limits area of the collection. And Pomeroy walks up just with the fox held by the neck, like a scruff of the <laughs> neck, just covered in fox piss. Uh, thank you. I'll, I'll take that. And I, I, I scoop up fox. You see, he says, Oh, buddy, he's so good. And I give him a treat from my pack. <sighs> the, you look at the painting and you see Pomeroy says, Please step away. These paintings are <clears throat> under restoration. The last thing you hear in your mind, Ursulon. Every bonbon, every nap, every trip down to the wonderful market. You've been one tick of the clock away from having a little portrait of your own. Rest easy, friend. Uh, Ursuline's going to turn uh, and hand on Wavebreaker, come to stand behind 
Ame and Suvi, uh, but kind of, uh, be looking downcast at the ground. Extend a hand and I, and I try to place it in his. I shake your hand off. Well, I hope you've had a lovely time at the Kasov Collection, but, uh, unless there's anything else I can help you with? No. No? All right. What were your dealings with Grandmother Run? I don't think I know what you're talking about. You cannot lie to me. I am the witch of the world's heart. Congratulations. Is there any other information about the paintings I can give you? No, but there's plenty of information about you that I could give to others. Know of what I speak. Now tell me, what were your dealings with Grandmother Run? Give me a persuasion check to, like, correct... Actually, this is intimidation, but do it with advantage because of what you are insinuating. 21. The incredible use of a true name in that you do not even have to speak it, but just suggest that you can give it to more people is an incredible example of witchcraft. And you see Pomeroy goes, <laughs> Let's adjourn to the cafe. And his shadow flickers into many, many legs. And that's all for this. The wizard, the witch, and the wild one. Oh my god. That was Lou Wilson as Ursuline, Erica Ishii as Ame, Abria Iyengar as Suvi, and Brennan Lee Mulligan as everyone and everything else. Worlds Beyond Numbered is edited, designed, and scored by Taylor Moore at Fortunate Horse, with additional sound design from Michael Gelfi Studios. For even more like this, join us on our Patreon. We'll see you there.